people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means.
Good morning, everybody. It's another day to champion the family. We're just excited that you're here this morning. God's going to do great things. And we just welcome his presence here. Welcome to BCM. If you're watching online, thanks for watching and tuning in. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your grace, and your powerful word and your powerful move. Thank you for touching hearts and changing lives. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to start off by declaring some things over our family. We're going to declare some things over you. You sing it into your life. Sing it over your family. And then we're going to take some time to work. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn it, towards you, and give Let's sing it again. Lord, bless you, and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Take me. 
place today, Lord, that your presence will manifest itself in our homes and in our lives, in our generation manifestation of your glory and of your presence and of your power in this place. Lord Jesus, you rule and reign. You rule and reign our hearts. You rule and reign our families. You rule and reign this city. You rule and reign this county. You rule and reign this state in the name of Jesus. You rule and reign this nation, Lord. Father, that we can stir up our hearts. The Bible says, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. That is within you from the laying on of hands. like a river in this place. And Lord, we're, we're getting in the current. We're getting in the current and it's flowing, flowing, flowing in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you are our most welcomed and honored guest. And we thank you that you are here and that you speak to us.
I am here. And my power is here to heal and to help and to lift up and to touch. For I desire to touch you, to make you strong in the Lord and in the power of my might. Receive of my strength. Receive of my power. For I give it to you freely. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Signature Worship Team. You can have your seats. Glory to God. This is our very first Inheritance Family Conference, and we want to welcome you all here. Last night and tonight, I know some people weren't able to come last night, but some new people are here today. And uh, we just want to say a welcome to our extended Rama family, Pastor Ray and Doreen from Life Center Lebanon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, you got your natural family and you got your church family. Right? And uh, we're going to let them uh, do the giveaways, and then I'll, I'll come back in a little bit. You got the whole team out with you. Yeah. Okay. So, Stephen and Pastor Nadine are going to help me. We, this is, you're, oh my goodness. I'm so excited I can't even talk. Okay. So, we are going to have these bracelets and prizes, and so the plan, which we're sp- very spontaneous about, <laughs> Stephen's going to launch the rubber bands into the crowd like that and that's how you <laughs> and that's how you get your prizes <laughs> yeah so we're going to toss them and then if you get one you get a prize that's how it works today right cheer be enthusiastic Woo! <laughs> steven is trying to launch the rubber bands, and this is really funny. These bracelets. <laughs> we have so many prizes. We are so thankful to our sponsors and everybody who, for coming and participating with all of our giveaways. <laughs> I'll say Adventure Sports donated. Um, we had Domino's donate, Texas Roadhouse, Mission Barbecue. There were so many people who gave towards this conference, so we say thank you to everybody who has sponsored and given gifts and made baskets because we love to give and show the love of God. Yes. Yeah. So over lunchtime, we have more things that we'll be doing. And you guys know how I like, you know, learning and math and knowledge and stuff. So it's going to be like Bible trivia over lunch. Okay. (laughs) So don't worry. It'll be like, Easy questions, okay? Questions everybody can get. All righty. I think that's it then, right? Forgive boys? <laughs> we work fast. Acceleration. You know, as Stephen was launching those uh, bracelets, two people were, two pastors were talking and they said, uh, how do you take up the offering? And the one said, I just throw all the offering in the air and whatever God doesn't keep, I take <laughs> Oh, just kidding. (laughs) All right. Well, we welcome you to our Inheritance Family Conference, and we know that God is doing great and mighty things. And uh, here's a a lady uh, was driving on the freeway, 
And uh, she saw the sight of flashing lights in her rearview mirror. And it made her uh, pull over. And the officer said, do you know why I stopped you? Asked the state trooper. You were going 85 miles an hour. Impossible, she argued. I had my cruise control set at 82. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Um, You know, sometimes uh, you have a mess on your hands that defies description. So uh, Clorox teamed up with uh, Carol Leifer to create the Clorox, Clorox Ictionary. So here are some words in the Clorox Ictionary. Apocalyptic. The streak on your face when you're bumped into while attempting to apply lipstick. Sketch one noodles. The pattern your low main noodles make when they fall on the floor. Frigia mortis, the liquid in the bottom of the vegetable drawer that hardens over time. <laughs> and uh, this is bore divorce, crumbs on your keyboard, bore divorce. <laughs> and uh, one time uh, a teacher picked up a magnet and uh, she asked the, the second grade class, she said, my name begins with the letter M. And I pick things up. What am I? A little boy answered, Mommy. (laughs) And uh, these are crazy things that parents say. You shouldn't be eating candy so early. We have donuts. (laughs) The key is to put the mousetrap outside. That way the mice don't come in. Crazy things they say. Your aunt couldn't make it, so I brought the cat. (laughs) Don't do drugs. They're hell on your body, and I may need one of your organs someday. (laughs) Amen. It's good to have a little fun, right? Now, you've heard of people that are bipolar? I'm by Bible. I got my book Bible. And my electronic Bible. I'm by Bible. <laughs> Amen. All right, well, I want to give you another opportunity to give today. You said, well, I already gave last night. Well, that's okay. The more times you sow, the more opportunities you have it to grow. Amen? And I just want to read one scripture to you from Second Corinthians, and then uh, we'll bring up our guest. Glory to God. But aren't you glad you're here this morning? And we are glad that you're here, too. And uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose. Just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. So what is your purpose in giving today? Amen. What do you want God to do? Everything that God does, he does through a seed. Because a seed has the power to break through. And uh, in your giving today, you can give any time during the service. We have our container by the bookstore, our container in the hallway there, or you can give online, uh, or you can give uh, with a card through the bookstore. But uh, just do something, amen? amen. And uh, you're giving to the kingdom, and you're giving because you love God. And Father, I, I thank you that every giver and gift yes. is blessed, and their gifts are multiplied. And we just give you glory and honor and praise for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, well, you guys, 
And then we have our kids. Our kids are going to go with uh, Pastor Nadine, so follow her out. And kids, have some fun. Let's just clap and cheer. Well, we are glad to have uh, Reverend Pastor John George with us again. And uh, we just uh, appreciate his ministry and uh, just love uh, his uh, preaching. And uh, we're so glad he's been married for 42 years to his wife, Darlene. They have uh, uh, two adult uh, children, seven grandchildren, and they're all faithfully serving the Lord. Amen. And you know what? Uh, God helped him overcome family trouble. He's a testimony of the goodness of God. And we're so glad that he's here today, and I just want you to give a warm BCF welcome to Reverend John George as he comes and ministers the word. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Good morning. I told you you were crazy for being here on Friday night. Now you're here on Saturday morning as well. Wow, what a bunch of radicals. Let me give away some stuff uh, over there on the table. Uh, now, that's not giveaway over there. This is... Uh, this, this is a series for families called Faith Fathers and Family. And so it's important that you take advantage of this. Every wife should buy this for her husband. Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you next year. We'll see you at the wives conference. Since we did the men's and now we're doing the family and then we're so quiet on that one. All right. Somebody over here like to have this? I want to give it to somebody. Who, who wants it? All right. There you go. And then we have uh, another series that's extremely important. It's for everybody. This, this is talking about kingdom authority. Now, why is this so important? Well, Jesus said this. This is taken from Matthew 28, the last scriptures of the book of Matthew. Jesus said, all power, it's a Greek word, exousia, which means authority, in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. So Jesus said that. Do you believe Jesus? Yes. So what do you think all means in the Greek? Every single thing about authority has been given unto him. Do you think that Jesus shared any authority with the devil? But yet people talk about the devil's authority all the time. The devil has a zero authority. The devil has ability. Luke chapter 10. Jesus said to the 70 disciples when they came back and they said to Jesus after he had authorized them to cast out devils, heal the sick, etc., etc. It wasn't just 12 disciples Jesus ever had. He had 12 consistent disciples, but he had thousands of different disciples and, and he, the, the 70 came back and said, Jesus, even the devils were subject unto us by your name. How did that work? Because Jesus authorized authority. He authorized his authority to those disciples to heal the sick, cast out devils. And he said, I quoted it last night, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning, right? And he said, behold, I give unto you power 
over all the power, over serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. I give unto you power. King Jimmy didn't do it right. Two words power, two times the word power is used, two different Greek words. Exousia, I give unto you authority over all the dunamis, the ability of the devil. The devil has ability, he has no authority. That's all in here. In other words, authority is greater than ability. It's easy math, folks. So stop, stop giving all the, giving the, so much credit to the devil. You rebuke him. You bind him. You tell him where to go. You have authority over him. If he had authority, you and I would have been dead before we ever heard the gospel. He can't possess anybody. You know who he possesses? Willing vessels. Well, I know he possesses worldly people. Are you kidding me? That means, that means most of the world is possessed then. Because most of the world's worldly. <laughs> he doesn't even have authority to just, to just go into an unbeliever. He has to deceive them. He has to trick them. They have to open the door to him. One of the ways you open the door to the devil is right now, this, this season of the year, scary movie season. And when you're watching those demonic movies, I, I was in the supermarket the other day and, and you know how they'll have, uh, they'll, they'll have a whole magazine about, uh, Elvis or a whole magazine about, uh, you know, uh, Princess Diana or a whole magazine about, they got a whole magazine about the Exorcist movie. And it, they repeat it over and over again. And it's the most watched movie in American history as far as scary movies. It's the most watched. Let me tell you something. Christians that are opening the door to the devil... Through watching these kinds of things and the walking dead and all this stuff, this regular series now, you have no idea what you're doing to your family. You have no idea what the enemy is going to do to your children because you, 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 well, I don't let my children watch that. I just watch it myself. Oh, oh, that's extra special, stupid. Cause you ought to know better. You ought to know better. The kids don't know better. You ought to know better. So, we see this all the time. Now, why am I so passionate about this? The first drive-in movie I ever saw as a human being. I was in elementary school. My brother's four years older than me. We didn't have a car because we were so poor. We lived in the projects, and we were only about five or six blocks from the drive-in theater. And our mom took us. We had a thermos of Kool-Aid. We had a couple of grocery bags, not plastic bags back then. They were paper bags. A couple of grocery bags of greasy popcorn that we popped ourselves. We had lawn chairs. We didn't have a car. But we're standing in line behind all the cars getting in the gate. 
When it come time, come, came time for us to go up to the booth to pay, it was $3 a car, to pay our $3, a teenager there at the booth, it's the same kind of teenager that works the drive-in, the drive-through window right now. Oh, you don't have a car? No, we don't have a car. They said, where's your car? We don't have a car. Well, it's $3 a car, so you must be free. You just go right on in. Well, look what I found. Somebody can... So... So watch this. We went to that driving theater, and you know what? They tell you out on the sign, the mar- so-called marquee, they don't have really marquees, but out on the sign of the, drive- the driving theater, they tell you what's showing, right? Night of the Living Dead. That's the first scary movie that was released nationally. It, it had a, probably a, a budget of about $5,000. It was the worst movie in history. And people still, they repeat it this time of year all the time. It became the parent of the Walking Dead shows that are on today. So what happened? My mom introduced that spirit into our home. Nightmares. Fear. Hello? So you don't realize everything, everything, turn to your neighbor and say everything, everything. every single thing is first and foremost spiritual. Everything we see in the natural here, this building, these tables, these cloths, these decorations, this food, actually I don't know if you can say Hershey's is food. (laughs) I guess it has some food value. Every single thing is first and foremost created in the spirit. It was designed and devised in the spirit realm. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow morning. But it's so important that we realize We are spirit beings. We don't have a spirit. We are spirit. Unfortunately, the devil knows that better than most Christians. The devil is very aware that everything is in the spirit first. Amen. Many people, many people, you know what? They're lousy at praise and worship for themselves. You know, they don't realize that it's personal. But... They're waiting for to be moved. But praise and worship is spiritual. And you are spirit. And nobody can worship or praise for you. You must realize it is spiritual. And it has nothing to do with the music. Jesus said this. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus said it. I like to quote Jesus a lot. He says he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit. What? Spirit. 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 
You mean it's spiritual? Worship is spiritual? And in truth, or by the book, by the word. A lot of what we call praise and worship is not praise and worship. Because it's not, it's not spirit, it's not by the spirit, and it's not by the word. It's about soul, about how I feel about God. That doesn't matter. You're not worshiping you. You're not praising you. So shut that stuff up. You need to turn off a lot of that noise. Just because it's on supposedly on Christian radio doesn't make it Christian. Okay. Better get off my soapbox. Somebody over here like to have this? All right. You're first. Have you got a Bible today? Turn in your Bible wherever you're led. We'll see if you're led in the right place. Turn over to Genesis chapter 18. We went to Genesis 1 last night, Genesis 12. Now we're going to look at Genesis 18. If you weren't here, please get the recording. And for those of you who kind of turn your seats around so you don't have a crick in your neck at the the end, you can move, move around. You don't have to face the table. Genesis chapter 18. We're still talking about Abraham. Right? So we found out in Genesis 12 that God told Abraham to get away, get out of your country, get away from your kinfolk, your fleshly, flecky, funky family. Right? To a land that I will show you. And he said, all the families in the earth will be blessed because of you. Right? Now why, why did God choose Abraham? Genesis 18. Now, we're skipping a lot of chapters in between. You ought to read them. But we just don't have time in these sessions to cover all this scripture. But Genesis 18, beginning in verse 17, it says, And the Lord said, there it is again, the Lord is talking. You know, the Lord always is talking. And we need to heed what he says. He said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? What thing is, what thing is he going to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, where's that coming from? Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3 that we read last night. That's what he's talking about. So God is saying, am I going to, am I going to hide from Abraham what my purpose is for him? Now think about that for a moment. Religion teaches, well, God is hiding things. God is hiding. God is not hiding anything from you. There's, there's the, the, the hiding place is not for God. Your hiding place is where you go to meet with him, that special place, that place where you meet with him. You turn off all the noise of the world and you meet just with him. Come on, somebody. As believers, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? So God says, am I going to hide that thing which I've already told him I'm going to do? See, God doesn't play those games. God doesn't play those games. God's going to reveal to you. What he wants you to do. Religion teaches that, you know, God calls you to things he knows you cannot do. What? 
So what does he say in verse 18? For I know him. I know him. I know Abraham. That he will command, say command. That he will command his children and his household after him. Not behind him. After him. That he will command. In other words, he's going to command after him his family. He's not going to demand. He's not a dictator. He's not going to demand that his family does something. It's like a lot of people have this mentality. Well, you know, I'm going to make my children come to church. Why don't you take them to church? Well, I just don't, I just don't believe in making my children do anything. Do you make them brush their teeth? Do you make them go to bed at night? Do you make them get up and go to school? Do you make them get up and, and before they go to school, wash the cooties off? I just don't believe I'm going to make, I should make my children follow me in the ways of the Lord. Well, Abraham, He's a little bit different than you, evidently. Because he commanded his children. But you only have a command when you're under command. My number two grandson I told you about last night is a Marine. We know he's been deployed to the Middle East. We just don't know where yet. I have my suspicions, but those are not always accurate. He's 21 and he's, his classification is E5. He's already a sergeant. Because he stays under authority and he learned authority at home from parenting. And his mom learned it from our parenting. My wife and I didn't learn it from our parenting. We learned how to not do things. From our parents. Anybody with me on that? So we had to learn it from the word. And then we began seeing in the word. What real marriage is supposed to be. What real parenting is supposed to be. What a godly family is supposed to look like. That's why I'm going to the book of beginnings. Because God is teaching Abraham. What a real godly family is supposed to look like. And Abraham came from a pagan bunch of reprobates. Think about that now. You think your family was rough. Your family didn't, probably didn't worship a bunch of other pagan gods. Are you with me? So, here he is. Had to get out of his country. Had to get away from his family. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it again. I said it last night. Some of you need to get away from your fleshly, flaky, funky family. It's about to be holiday time. And you think you're supposed to spend your family Spend, spend all your time with your, with your distant relatives and different things. You know, when Uncle Jerry comes in drunk all the time and he's cussing, ranting and raving and you're going to subject your family to that? 
Well, aren't you bold? Aren't you strong in the Lord? Well, who's going to reach my family? Probably not you. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. I'm not the only one that that talks like this and thinks like this. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know it's rare for me to say that. But see, we've developed developed this mentality that family is everything. Exactly which verse is that? If family is everything, why did God tell this guy to leave it? Leave your fleshly, flaky, funky family. Why? Because their influence is going to keep you from finding and following the destiny I have for you. And you can't ever convince your fleshly, flaky, funky family otherwise. So he's going to command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. Shall. Not might. Shall. Will. Well, I prayed really hard. And you know, not all of my children turn out the same. You know, some children turn out right and others just don't turn out right. Well, I didn't see that footnote there on that verse. (laughs) Why don't you have the same, in our circles, in our faith camp, which I was introduced to in 1969. Why don't we have the same level of faith for our marriages and our family as we do for healing and prosperity? What in the world are we doing? I could, I, I've been around this a long time and I've been in, in these camps and these are personal friends of mine. But why is there one significant, notable faith family? Why do they have 27 divorces in their immediate family? Now, I don't say that to discredit anybody. Just because you have revelation in one area doesn't mean you have revelation in every area. Hello? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not beating somebody up because of divorce. I'm a product of divorce. I married a divorcee that had a four-year-old daughter when we married. Her husband left her when she, when she, three years before. With a one-year-old daughter. And then three years, three and a half years later, God gave her a real man. (laughs) And we've been happily married for 42 years. Not because we're so smart, but because we're smart enough to read the Bible and do it. It takes work. Well, I tried marriage and it just wasn't for me. What, what verse says try marriage? That's like saying, well, I tried faith, and it, I, I'm just how happy that you're in faith, but it just wasn't for me. Well, the Bible says walk by faith, live by faith. It doesn't say try faith. I'll get to that tomorrow. 
He will command his children and his household after him, and they shall, say they shall. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. What did he speak of him? We read it in chapter 12. It says it right there in verse 18 that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And chapter 12 says all the families of the earth shall be blessed in him. Well, those verses are not literal. Well, you're literally dense. None of you would be that foolish, but maybe somebody watching or listening. See, many people think that relationships, marriage will bring happiness. That children will bring happiness. You haven't been paying attention, have you? And they quickly find out that's not the case. God's plan was simple. We've just, we've just read it. Genesis 1, Genesis 12, Genesis 18. That's God's family plan. And, and all the verses in between. It's very simple. Number one, you ought to write this down. Text it to yourself. Put it in your phone. Whatever. You shouldn't ever come to church without a Bible and a notepad or something to write on, something to, something to text or whatever. Why? Because you're not going to remember everything you hear. Everywhere I go, I got pen and paper. Or at least I got a phone. I can add something. It's called N-O-T-E-S, notes. Well, I've already read all that. Well, you ate last night and you ate again this morning, didn't you? We need to keep feeding. Huh? If we're going to stay spiritually and commonsensically Nourished, we need to keep reading and studying and looking and growing and changing. So the first thing, here's, here's, here's the first thing I got about God's plan. The simple plan. Number one, reflect the image of God. In your marriage relationships, Your family relationships reflect the image of God. If you don't know what his image is, how are you going to reflect it? See, here's the problem. You know what the Bible says in the New Testament? You know these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 talks about, you know, we look into the glass darkly, right? And we are changed from image to image. From glory to glory. Come on. Right? We're changed. See, here's the problem. We stopped looking into the Word to dress our lives. We started looking to the world to dress our lives. If that's God, ask Him how I'm doing so far. Please silence your phones. Think about this. Think about this. If I'm not looking to the Word to dress my life, to dress my marriage, to give me my right choices, to give me my parameters, to give me my guidelines, my guardrails. I'm just a loose cannon out there. Because if I'm not looking to the Word, I'm looking to the world. That's all there's, there's left. 
Well, I just choose to follow how my, my daddy taught me this and my family taught me this. You know what? That, that, that aunt that I told you about married, married nine times last night? Or last night I told you about her. She wasn't married nine times last night, but. <laughs> right? That aunt? Still to this day. Well, I don't care what the word says. I just do it like my daddy taught me. Well, your daddy taught you wrong. In fact, I knew your daddy. He's my granddaddy. And he didn't teach you to be that stupid, to marry nine guys. Hello? And see, instead of looking to the Word, we're following what our family did, or we're following what our culture did. That's why you need to get away from your fleshly, flaky, funky family. Not all your family's fleshly and flaky. Why would you introduce that to your children? Hmm? There is not enough time for me to tell you my whole story. There's just not enough time. There's not enough time to tell you about the level of chaos and foolishness and stupidity. All of it coming from a backslidden Pentecostal. That's worse than having never heard before. That's what Peter said. It's worse. It'd be better for you to have never heard this, Peter said in 2 Peter. Be better that you'd never heard this than to hear this and grow up in this and resist it. And that's what we have in the last days. That, we, 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 we have perilous times. Second Timothy chapter three. This know also the perilous times shall come, right? Did, uh, did Paul wrote, write that to the world? No, he wrote that to the church. And you follow that verses two through five list 20 perilous traits that lead to destruction. First one is men shall be lovers of their own selves. And here we are. We, we are in the selfie generation. And we wonder why stuff is wrong in the world. We wonder why all, all this chaos is in the church. How many selfies do you need to feel good, better about yourself? I have a former staff member. I had a former staff member. She takes six or seven, eight, ten selfies a day and posts them. Well, that's an extra special kind of foolishness. <laughs> you see, you're supposed to be finding who you are and what you have in the Word and in your relationship with God, not in your image. Is this a good shot of me? Is the light good on me? Is the, how's the light? It's ridiculous. It's really bizarre. It is bizarre. So we're supposed to be reflecting the image of God through our marriage relationship and our families. Secondly, the same true, the same is true in having children. When we do it the Bible way, your children will bring you happiness. I don't have time to go in all the scriptures in the Old and New Testament. But I will go into this one. Proverbs 22.6. Most of us know it. 
but most of us don't know what it means. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The word, the phrase train up is one Hebrew word. It means to initiate, inaugurate, dedicate, properly narrowing. And we hear all these Christians say, well, I just don't believe in restricting my children. I just believe in opening their thought processes up. I will never come to your house because if you're training your pets that way, I'm probably going to kill it. You would kill a pet? Yeah. I would even kill your pet. When your pet's not disciplined, your pet's not controlled, your pet, you don't have any restrictions on your pet, your pet's going to do some really stupid stuff. Your pet's going to nip at me, might pee on my foot, something, going to do something, might pee in the floor, you know. Might, it might try to bite my children. My grandchildren, yeah, I'm going to wring your pet's neck. Well, why would you do that? America's become like Rome, fallen Rome, where they started worshiping their pets. It's one of the fa- that's one of the fairs. Rome was, a, you know, I talked about democracy. Rome was a democracy. Italy was a democracy. How, how's that working for them? Now most of Rome is under, under the dirt, under the ground. Most of the Roman empires are under, under the ground. They have to dig it up. Why? Because of foolishness. And they turned their backs on God. They started worshiping self. They started worshiping entertainment. They started worshiping pets. They started worshiping their children. Same things happening in America. Smarter people than me have studied this. I'm, I'm still I'm still top five in Texas, but but I'm not the smartest yet. I'm getting there. So train up means to inaugurate from the beginning, not till waiting until they're ten or twelve when they have understanding. Obedience will bring understanding. Understanding won't necessarily bring obedience. Okay, no extra charge for that one. <laughs> Train up a child. The word, the phrase a child is one, one Hebrew word means from infancy to adolescence. Specifically, lad or damsel. Not through adolescence, to adolescence. From infancy, the moment they're born, to adolescence. The Jews understand this to this day. When do they have bar mitzvahs? Thirteen. Not when they're fifteen. The Hispanics have it for their, for their girls at fifteen. I live in a very Hispanic Dominated community. And they think it's womanhood at 15. And so they give permission for their girls to be, become impregnated at 15. And to start having sex at 15. 
And the mamas put their boys, la familia, the mamas put their boys out there to impregnate the daughters. And therefore, every, every Sunday in our newspaper, there's birth notices. 95% of our, our births in our hospital are Hispanic, and 98% of them, I've studied this for years now, 98% of them are not married. Who do you think is paying for those births? Well, the government. Oh, where's the government get its money? Gets it from you, your tax dollars. Well, you're a racist. No, I'm not. I grew up in the projects. It's the culture. That foolish culture covers all races. It affects all races. I was white trash. My family was white trash. We had the same culture. And if we didn't break out of it because of God, because of the Word, and it wasn't because our mom led us to Christ. It was because a man came to our schools. And we went to his services and he led us to Christ. We're supposed to be training our children from infancy to adolescence. But most parents... Well, they're just a baby, or they're just a toddler, or just, they're just a crawler, or they're just this, and they're just that, and they're just a child. They don't understand these things. Huh. They bounce around your phone and your tablet way better than you could, way better than you can, and you say they don't understand? Uh-huh. This verse is telling us, we should start training our children from infancy and disciplining them from infancy. We're not talking belts and paddles here. We're talking no or a tap on the butt or even a ruler or a spoon on the butt. That's going to have to graduate to a paddle. I got coat hangers, switches, water hoses, wire. And it wasn't on the butt. It was on the face. It's on the legs, on the arms. The last night I lived with my mom, it was a skillet that hit me right here in the back of the head. Not because I was disobedient, but because I was trying to get her to stay home and let me go to the store and get her cigarettes. Because she was so drunk and high, I feared for her life. And she grabbed a skillet off the stove and beat me over the head with it. And I woke up in a pool of blood. You know how your head bleeds. Hyperventilating. That was the last night I lived with my mom at 12. My brother had already left when he was 11, five years before. The abuse was so bad. That's not training. That's abuse. My Bible talks about training. Train up. You know that most people today, they train their pets better than they train their children. Train up. A child in the way he should go. Not train up a child in a way he could go. 
the way, singular. There's only one way they should go. Only one. It's God's way. Well, where do you find that in the Scripture? How much time you got? We're already out of time. Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If you're not doing it God's way, you're doing it the wrong way. I don't give a rip what Pinterest says. Or what Brother Doodad at the Christian bookstore says. If it's not in here, I don't care what they say. I don't watch Dr. Phil or whoever to learn how to have a marriage and, a, and, a, and, and have children obey. obey. Well, it ain't to be your, your son or your daughter. They don't think so. They're blessed because they were trained. They're highly favored because they were trained. And they train their children exactly the same way we train them. Hello? The way means course of life, mode of action, or pathway. It's the pathway that's already blessed. Instead of doing our own thing, somebody didn't silence her phone. Hit that switch on the side. But you, you understand what I'm saying here. Come on, th- th- this, th- this is a game that we always play. I know normally you talk to people on Saturday. But li- listen, it's, it's so critical that we get this because the world has totally messed this up. And the church has followed suit in many cases. And it's going to devastate us. It already is devastating us. We're not supposed to train a child in the way of the world. We're supposed to train up our children in the way of God. The way. But this is what we, this is what we do. We do our own thing. We go wherever we want to go. We, we drink whatever we want to drink. We smoke whatever we want to smoke. We hang out with whatever we, we want to hang out with. We watch on TV or the movies, whatever we want to watch. And then because our, our life is all messed up, we ask God, God, bless us, help us. What, what? Wait a minute. You're asking God to submit to your path. Instead of you and me submitting to the path, the path that he said to go, that's already blessed. Whoa, that's radical. No, it's common sense. Building a path and building a road is hard work. I don't know if you've ever been in construction or not. One of the hardest things to do is build a bridge or build a road. Even in flat ground, it's hard to build a road that lasts. And it's work. But when you build it right, it pays dividends. But this is what I want you to see. We need to travel the road and the path that God has already created for us. Then his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come on. He should go is one word. Train up a child in the way he should go is one, one word, 
P-E-H, which means command by mouth or, listen to this, by the collar. Well, that's abuse. Really? Really? Taking your son or your daughter by the collar is abuse? Taking them by the hair is abuse. Calling them a little devil is abuse. Hello? Calling them, they're mean. My kids are driving me crazy. That's abuse. Come on, somebody. See, from the beginning, let me, let me restate this, restate this from the Hebrew point of view. This verse, train up a child in the ways to go when he's old and not depart from it. In the Hebrew point of view, from the beginning, command and inaugurate a narrow course. From the beginning. Say from the beginning. A biblically prescribed path of action for your child. When he's growing up, he will not abandon the path. Hmm. Wow, God's smarter than us? Wow, amazing. Or as they say in my community, amazing. Z's or C's in Spanish. All I have time to do now is just give you some scriptural references. So where do you, we read Genesis 1, Genesis 12, Genesis 18. Proverbs 20:11 amplified. You just write down the reference, I'll quote it for you. Even a child is known by his acts, whether or not what he does is pure and right. Proverbs 22:15 amplified. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. N- not, not the reasoning of discipline? Not, not the nose in the corner of the discipline? Not a timeout? No, the timeout's for you. The timeout is for you to settle yourself down. You see, because child training is soul training. And you're the first one that needs the soul training, not the child. Proverbs 29, 29, 15, Amplified. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left undisciplined brings his mother to shame. That's why they run out of the grocery store. So embarrassed. Because that child has brought shame to the parent or to the mom. But the reason the child has brought that shame is because the mother or the dad, both of them did not do their job at home. And that's why the children act out in public. Got quiet. Is this victory Presbyterian? <laughs> Twenty-nine seventeen. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give you, give delight to your heart. Proverbs 23, 13. Withhold not discipline from the child, for if you strike and punish, now Amplified, that's a mistranslation when they use the word punish. You punish criminals. You discipline and train children. There's a difference. But it says if you strike 
and discipline them with a reed-like rod, he will not die. Hmm. Proverbs 23, 14. You shall whip him with the rod and deliver his life from Sheol or Hades, the place of the dead. Proverbs 15, 9 and 10, amplified. The way of the wicked is an abomination, extremely disgusting and shamefully vile to the Lord. But he loves, who, he loves him who pursues righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes God's way. And he who hates reproof will die. Physically, morally, and spiritually. Well, I just love my babies too much to spank them, to discipline them. You don't love them enough. A notable family, ministry family, the one that I said there's 27 divorces in. The wife of the notable minister, she's a notable minister herself has gone on record as saying, you don't spank kings. We're kings. Our children are little kings. You don't spank little kings. Hmm. Let's see. Your one child, your oldest, has four divorces. Second oldest has two divorces. And you got kids spread all over creation. I think they've brought some shame because they weren't disciplined. I could go into greater detail. I know these stories from the, from the get-go. These are people, some of them my age or a little younger. But I've watched them very carefully. Church, it's critical that we do it God's way, not our way. The purpose of the marriage is to glorify God and reflect the image of Christ. The same thing with parenting. Let me get to that part and I'll close. About that mentality. The family is everything. As a believer... Your loyalty to your God is first and foremost. Number two, your loyalty to your spouse is second most important. Above your children. Because your children are going to grow up and leave. Now I know last night I talked about 15 million young men, able-bodied young men that are still living at home with mama. Ages 19 to 34, they're still living at home with mama. But even those are going to move out eventually. And what, what are you going to do? And here, here's, here's what happens. This is easy math. If you don't keep your focus on each other as a married couple, if you don't keep your passion on each other and you put it on your children... The husband's going to notice that, 
And he's going to find passion elsewhere. First, probably in his job. Secondly, maybe with an emotional relationship at his job. Happens all the time. And then you wonder what happened. And then he has this midlife crisis where he starts looking around for passion because he's still looking for passion. Or let's turn over that table. Maybe the husband is the one, the dad is the one that has his passion in the, in the children. So the mom, she's still going to look for passion from her husband. And if she doesn't get it, might be some guy at work, might be a neighbor, might be the UPS driver. Other things have happened. Whoever's giving her the attention and the passion. Come on, somebody. Whoever's greeting her. Whoever's telling her she looks beautiful that day. Come come on, somebody. Is this not real? This is happening even in the church. Because you didn't keep your priorities simple. You started checking out the movie. You started checking out the magazine. You started checking out the ads or the pop-ups. Hmm? Start looking a little deeper into your wife's catalog that she received in the mail. Of her lingerie. Hmm? You lost your passion for your wife. You lost your passion for your husband. You put it on your children. You put it somewhere else. And that's not where it belongs. It first and foremost belongs to God. And secondly, it belongs to your spouse. Then it belongs to your children. And if you're saying the rest of your family is a priority, all your extended family is a priority. That's what, that's what the holidays are about. It's about family. Really? So you're going to have Uncle Jerry come over and puke, puke right in front of your little kids and show them, yeah, 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 how y'all doing, man? Happy Thanksgiving. And you're, you're gonna put them in that environment year after year after year, holiday after holiday, holiday after holiday, and say that that's good for them? Again, that's an extra special kind of stupid. Wow, Pastor, where did you get this guy? I'm just a Bible guy. What is it? It's a murderous spirit. It's an Ahab spirit. Jezebel spirit. I have a question for you, Dad. If your passion is not first and foremost God, how do you expect your children to grow up and have their passion first and foremost God? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I like sports. Last night I went back to my room. I watched the Rangers win, pull, pull, pull the game in the 11th inning with a walk-off home run. Pull the game out. All those families with those little boys and those soccer boys in my hotel, they heard me. I'm on the fourth floor. They probably heard me on the first floor. I hunt. I fish. I play ball. Still work out, 
do stuff with my kids, my grandkids, my in-laws. Talking about my son-in-laws, my daughter-in-law. I'm active. I do, I do stuff with them all the time. I'm not this spiritual dweeb over here that's just a, just a Bible bookworm and I don't know anything else. No, you can still have other kinds of activities in your life, but there's always the priorities. And they all know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sacrifice my walk with God for anything else. Nothing else. Come on. My grandchildren know that I'm not coming to their ball game on Saturday night. I'm not coming to their recital on Sunday morning. Now you understand my children don't do that either. But they know I'm just not gonna do that. Children only repeat what they've heard and what they see. Well, blood's thicker than water, brother. Families first. La familia muy importante. Il numero uno. Where's that located? I haven't found it in here yet. Maybe it's in... First and second nonsense. Because it's not in this book. Have you actually looked around and seen how the world does this? We've always told and taught our two children, we're not automatically for you or against you. If you want us to, if you want to do what's right, we're for you. If you choose to do what's wrong, we're not going to support you or that. Priorities. If you choose to obey and do right, we're we're all in. But if you choose to disobey and live a wrong life, we're against that choice. And we're not we're not silent about it. We love you, but we're not going to support such foolishness. Our loyalty is to God and His Word first, not our family. See how we've whacked this out? Even in the church, we've, we've messed this up so badly. Well, where's that in the Bible? I just read it to you in Genesis. How, how about a New Testament scripture, brother? You just in that old law stuff. How about Ephesians chapter 6? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Why do you obey your parents? Because I said so. No, because it's right. Because you're not always going to be around to say so. And you're not the ultimate authority. He is. You know what it says in the Amplified? Obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives. The way your children obey you or disobey you is the way they'll obey or disobey God himself. Verse 4 says, fathers, do you think the apostle Paul knew the difference between fathers and mothers? (laughs) But he spoke to fathers. (laughs) Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. Train them up. In what? Train them up. Give them. They're preparing lunch. I'm going to quit in a minute. 
when we start smelling it. Because I'll lose you then. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. The nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There's a balance here. Nurture, tender, loving care. Admonition, instruction, training, discipline. Now look at me. I know you got distracted by the shiny thing in the room. Lunch! Lunch! Listen to me. I'm almost done. You can't have it over here. Heavy on nurture and light on the admonition. Can't have it over here. Heavy, you do what I say, kid. You follow me. You do what I say all the time. I'm your daddy. And no nurture. It's a balance. Fathers, it's a balance. Because if it's not, you'll provoke them to wrath. In other words, rules without relationship provoke rebellion. It has to be both. Dads, it has to be both. It can't be one or the other. It can't be unbalanced. Our loyalty is to God and his word first. It's easy math. We're going to choose what's right. We're going to stand against what's wrong. Period. We're going to do good and eschew evil. Resist evil. What's the Bible proof? I just gave it to in Ephesians chapter 6. Did we help anybody today? All kinds of stuff. I mean, this, 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 we could go all day. We could go all day. My wife and I, we just did a parenting seminar in Florida at a large church, Rhema Church, and Pastors have been long-time friends of ours. This is our second parenting seminar with them. And they said, we're going to schedule another one next year. And it's going to be three days. And it's going to be all day each day. Because it's, it's an inexhaustible subject. Inexhaustible subject. I encourage you to get this as a parent or a grandparent. It's called Confessions for Raising Winning Children, Winning Kids. I didn't write this. We have a friend that wrote this. And I, I mentioned this last time I was here. Make sure that you get this. It's $3. If you can't afford the $3, I'll, I'll give it to you. But if you say that you can't afford the $3 and you go to Starbucks as soon as we get out of here, Ananias, I pray that Sapphira pukes her coffee up. I pray that she pukes that, that frappuccino all over your dash into all the recesses of your nice car. And it never cleans out. Because if you lie, you fry. So take advantage of this. Uh, some of you, could, we have them in packets of 10. You, you could buy 10 and, and not, not get them to everybody that need it. We give these out. We're the number one purchaser of this book. We buy them by the case every other month. 740 of them in each, each case. It's a big, heavy box. And we, we buy more. And, and the proceeds don't go to our friends. They go to a missions budget where they do missions every year. But her name is Kathy Dorsch. And uh, Kathy is a longtime 
40-year friend of ours, and uh, we were instrumental in helping her through a divorce because my wife had been through a divorce. And she says that. She even mentions that in some books, the other books that she's written. But it's important that we, that we get into the Word because your experience is not enough. Amen? And those of you who are part of this church, I encourage you to get a notepad, maybe at a bookstore, maybe, maybe at Walmart this afternoon for $1.398. Start writing down what you hear, and God will speak to you more things. And here's why. This is real easy. You only retain about 29% of what you hear. When you hear it and you write it down, you train, retain almost 70%. But when you look at it again, after you've written it down, you retain over 92%. It's worth retaining. Amen. It's worth looking. The same thing is true. Even Harvard did a study about this. Harvard, which was founded as a divinity school to, pre, to teach ministers. You couldn't, even, you couldn't even do a master's in education or a doctorate in education till you had your divinity degree at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Penn. The first four Ivy League schools. I-V-4. The first Ivy League schools were all divinity schools. They are far from that now. Even at Harvard, they still have a cross in the original, the original logo. I just saw it the other day when they were showing a protest, protesting Israel. They were showing a protest. I saw it. I've been at that gate, and I saw the, their logo is still there. It has a cross and a, and a flame because it was founded as a Christian school. It's far from it today. But even Harvard did this study, and that is this. That a written Bible like this, paper, ink. First of all, these are going to be few and far between in the days ahead. They're going to stop printing them because everything's going digital. But a written text Bible gives you a far greater retention than on screen. No extra charge for that. Thank you, Pastor. You know, when uh, sometimes things get out of balance, they need to be recalibrated. And the only thing that can recalibrate us is the anointing of God. Because the anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. And I believe that there are some people here that you need the anointing of God. We're not even going to ask why. We're just going to believe that God will touch you. Amen. And if you came here today and something that was said is out of balance in your life, I'm going to ask uh, John to come back up. And I just want to invite you to come for prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. You know, he does the heavy lifting. A minister's job is just to communicate the word but it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit's job to confirm that word. So if you came in here today and 
something is just not uh, the way it needs to be. Come and allow God to touch you. It doesn't matter where you are. We're all on different levels. We're all in different places. But there's one Holy Spirit. And his, the touch of the Master can make all the difference in the world. So Heavenly Father, right now I just thank you for drawing people to come and receive of the anointing of God. And if you need the anointing of God, you need the touch of God to bring things in balance. Come up right now. Don't leave today without receiving a touch from Him. Don't leave today. You know, you've invested your time and your energy. Now the Holy Spirit's going to invest His power into you. So I want you to come. Right? You know that you need to come. We're not asking why you come. We just need you to come. And allow the Holy Spirit to touch you in the name of Jesus. So I want you to come. Be bold. Be brave. Come and just receive. That's all. No one's going to ask you for what? We're just going to release the anointing. Amen? Just come on up here and line up. And you're coming up here to receive. Receive a touch from God. Amen? Hallelujah. We're just going to have Brother John just pray as the Holy Spirit leads and guides you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. Come and be, come and receive the Holy Ghost. That might be step number one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Come on, I know that some, some, some voices are telling you, oh, you don't need to go up, you don't need to go up. No, you need to come up. I, I command, I override those voices that are preventing you to come and receive. Come and receive right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let that anointing destroy yokes and remove the burden. In the name of Jesus. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is an opportunity though. This is a step of faith. It takes faith to come up and receive. Amen? You won't regret it. You'll regret not doing it though if you should if you should do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And those of you that came up, you just believe that you receive. Amen. You believe that you receive. And don't let the devil convince you any otherwise. He's a liar. Hallelujah. You have what you needed. Amen. You have what you needed. Because God's a good God. So we have uh, some food for you. Take some time and fellowship. Get to know someone that you don't know that well. Mix it up. Sit at a different table strike up a conversation. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful 
for the food that you prepared and for those that have prepared it, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. And we call this time sanctified through your word and prayer. And we just honor you, Lord. We welcome your presence at our tables. And Lord, may this be a rich and wonderful fellowship. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. All right, you can go ahead, help yourself, and enjoy.